Well, Belair, good morning. All right, so we're in the second week of a three-week series in this month of November. Just, I, I want to see, I know some are watching online or listening after the fact, but in the room right now, how many of you show of hands were here last week in the services? Okay. Okay, well, I, I've gone shopping again. Uh, um, we'll, we'll get there in a moment. But for those who were not here last week, ah, I know you're, you're on the outside of a, maybe an inside joke. So I'm going to bring you all in, okay, so we can all be on the same page briefly. Uh, last week I made the point that the true value of something doesn't come from what you have to pour out, but the true value comes from what you pour into. So for those of you who remember last week, or if you want to watch last week's service later on this week, you can listen online, go to our website, or on iTunes for our podcast. There was two very different, valuable things, and I, I, one had higher perceived value than the other, and I poured it into something, and though one seemed to be much more valuable than the other, when we poured it into a trash can, they both then became a waste, worth nothing. But then I took those two things, and again, I don't want to give it away, you can go and look at it yourself, but two very different valuable things, putting it into something else actually made it priceless. So again, the point that I wanted to make last week was the true value, as I said, doesn't come from what we have to pour out, but what we pour into. Now before I show you what's in here, um, I, I want us to camp on this idea. Before we pour something out, it first has to be pressed down. So before something is poured out, it must be pressed down. Why don't we open up our Bibles? Some of you have those in the pew in front of you. Some of you, you have a phone or an iPad. You can go to the New Revised Standard Version. That's the version we have in the pews if you're watching online or listening later. Uh, we're going to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is Jesus speaking. Actually, I will put it up on the screen as well. And Luke chapter 6, 38 gives us just a, a little snapshot of that word pressed down. If you have your pew Bibles, it's on page 838, 838. So again, this is Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And as you get there, some of you, uh, whether you don't have a Bible or a phone or anything to access it, it's also up on the screen. Why don't we, let's read this together. This is Jesus speaking. This is God's Word. Read with me. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This, my friends, is God's Word. All right, so this verse has been distorted, has been co-opted, has been hijacked for the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel, it's often used to say that, okay, if you just give, you're going to get more back. And so in many ways, we, we like the end of this passage, and it will be given back to you, but we, we skip over a very necessary phrase that I want to focus on today. It's the phrase, pressed down. I said a moment ago, before we pour something out, it first needs to be pressed down. So uh, I did some shopping, and uh, we'll all enjoy this moment together. Uh, in fact, it was a, a different purchase, but olive oil, extra virgin olive oil was something that I, I purchased. And it's very interesting because all throughout Scripture, the imagery of olive oil is used. 
We have, uh, throughout all of Scripture, there is anointing of oil for a variety of different things, but it's not motor oil, it's not canola oil, vegetable oil, it's always, it's typically, it's olive oil. Even Jesus is referred to as the anointed one. And there's many different uses for, for olive oil. There's nourishment, but also, you know, in the ancient world, in the first century, we didn't have light bulbs. Edison hadn't yet come around. And so what they would do is they would pour this extra virgin olive oil into lampstands, and they would have a wick inside, and they would like that. So it would give nourishment, and it would also give light. But beyond that, olive oil actually had so many different uses. In fact, even today, you can get moisturizer for your hands. There was olive oil that was poured into medicine that was used to, to heal your skin. And so even people with leprosy often would take this olive oil paste and they would rub it on their skin. They would ingest some of it for healing. But even beyond that, olive oil was used as a cleansing agent. And it was poured into soap and there was this amazing use of olive oil, not only for nourishment and light, but also for healing, but also for cleansing. And we have so many different things today. You know, we have so many different additives and, and chemicals that in many ways we kind of forget the importance of olive oil. I mean, we love olive oil if we like food. Often we put on a little bruschetta, bruschetta, as some people remind me. I'm like, okay, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it tastes good, you know. And this olive oil we cook with, perhaps, but it's interesting when you think that olive oil is not only good for nourishment and light, but also for healing and also for cleansing. Now, before olive oil can get poured into a dish, poured onto a piece of bread, poured into a lamp, before it's poured into some, some medicine for your skin, before it's poured into soap, there's a step, a necessary step. Before something is poured out, it must be pressed down. And that thing that must be pressed down is simply olives. Now, some of you might be like, wait, this is church. Did I just stumble upon like a cooking show? This is odd. Why is he talking about this? Before something is poured out, it must be pressed down. And it's very fascinating when you look at olives, the way that they become olive oil, become medicine, become a cleansing agent, is that they first have to be pressed down. In the ancient world, there was this process that would go through. In fact, there was, some scholars believe, a triple pressing that would occur. First, those olives that were picked on the olive trees, they would be placed on this big piece of stone, and there would be either donkeys tied to this big piece of thing, or, or, or men would push it. And it was almost like this big millstone, and they would crush and they would press down these olives. And it was very interesting, though many olives are green, this first process, this first step, would create almost like a red pulp that would drip down the sides. Then they would take that, and then it would go through what they called the first press, and they would take all of that, and they would put it in burlap sacks. And those burlap sacks would then have this huge stone placed on it, and that weight of that stone would press down on those burlap sacks filled with the, 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 the pit and all those things of the olives. And as it would press down over time, many, many days, there would be the drip, drip, drip of extra virgin olive oil that came from the first pressing. And that first pressing, again, was for nourishment, but it was also for light. 
And there'd be a second pressing. This was kind of a different pace that would come out. And that second pressing, again, would create what they would use for healing. It was placed in medicine. But then that third pressing would go into the soap, into the cleansing agent. So before all these things exist, there has to be olives pressed down. Now, it's no coincidence that Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, goes to a place called the Mount of Olives. He goes into a garden called Gethsemane. Do any of you know what Gethsemane means? Olive press. You see, I spent all this time talking about olives and a variety of things to cause us to remember what the first century hearers of that story would immediately know when Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, goes into the garden called the Olive Press. We see something that's going on here. In fact, you see Jesus beginning in the garden to be pressed down. Three times he prays, God, take this cup away from me. Take this thing that I have to do away from me, but your will, not my will, be done. In fact, we even see that imagery of that millstone. Remember the, the red pulp that would come out? The gospel writers say that Jesus literally begins to sweat blood dripping to the ground. And we see in the middle of the night in that garden of the olive press, on the Mount of Olives, this pressing down. Jesus begins to feel the weight of sin and the world's brokenness pressing down upon him. And I love how in the midst of all that, we see that Jesus still, who refers to himself as the light of the world, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. But he quickly could have run out of the garden. He could have avoided that moment, but the truth was is he allowed himself to be pressed so that he could be poured out in the middle of the dark for us as the light of the world. And then we see that story go on, and we see that after he is captured, the, the Roman soldiers begin to beat him. They begin to lash him. They're, they're mocking him. And I love the fact that Isaiah, so many centuries before, says, by his wounds, we have been healed. And you watch Jesus go through that second pressing. And yes, I know it's not Good Friday. We still have many months till that moment, so I won't go into all the details, but Jesus, he could have done a lot of things. He could have called the angel armies to rescue him. He could have done anything to get out of that moment, but he allowed himself to be pressed, to receive that beating, to receive that, that fist so that we could receive that open hand of healing. And finally, he goes to the cross, which it's so easy to take for granted. We have it in art, in rooms, in architecture, we wear it around our necks, but but that moment, Jesus allows himself to be pressed for a third time. And I love in 1 John 1 says that his blood poured out then cleanses us from all of our sin. It cleanses us from unrighteousness. And I look at Jesus, how he was willing to be pressed down, to be poured out as nourishment and light as healing and as cleansing, then why is it that I order my life, that I make decisions 
trying to keep my life intact? Why do I avoid being pressed down? Why do I avoid all these things just to keep me put together? So often if I feel pressed down or if there's things in my life that are pushing against me, I feel like, no, no, I've got to avoid this, I've got to run from it. What have I done wrong? What God are you allowing into my life? But imagine if Jesus, going to the Mount of Olives, going into the Garden of the Olive Press, said, no, 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 I want to stay intact. I want to preserve myself. I'm not going to be pressed down. He wouldn't have been poured out. And there's many things in life that press down upon us that are not God-initiated. I want to be very clear with this. There's brokenness in this world. That includes all form of injustice and hate and oppression, cancer, a whole host of things that we might say, God, why do you allow this into my life? I want to remind you and I want to remind myself, maybe you can listen in on what I've been telling myself this week, is that there are moments in my life, though God did not initiate that oppression or that pressing down, God says, if you allow me to be your strength, to be your hope, to be your foundation, to be your everything, in the midst of this pressing down, something beautiful can come forth. Something beautiful will be poured out. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about how Yes, we suffer, but that suffering produces perseverance. And there's this, this, this chain of um, chain reaction, so to speak, that even in the midst of being pressed down, in the midst of being crushed, that all of a sudden it leads to this place of hope. In other words, if we are pressed down, then eventually we can be poured out and poured out in the things that God loves. So much of my life, as I say, is trying to keep this intact. I show up often to church and things are going on in the week and people say, hey, how are you? And I'm like, it's great. Drew, you look tired. <sighs> Darn, I thought I could fool you, you know. That's me trying to keep the olive oil of my life intact. I think of things that I've gone through in my life where I've actually acknowledged the fact that that situation or the words that that person spoke or that circumstance were actually crushing me. In the midst of that, I can cry out to God, and God, in the midst of that, can do a work that only He can do. And boy, I've met some of you even in the last seven months that I've been here, and even before that, people I've known for a decade and a half, I see some of the ways in which the world has pressed down upon you, the injustice that you've experienced, the things that you've gone through, I see that, that crushing weight of all those things. And somehow in the midst of that, you have allowed God to meet you in the midst of it, not staying intact, but He produces something that is light to everyone around you. In your neighborhoods, in your families, in your workplaces, there's things that you've gone through that, that are just so healing to those around you. There's things that you've gone through that, that actually, on the other side of it, produce cleansing for those around you. But then again, there's also things that I think God wants us to choose to step into so that we can be pressed down. And this is where I think I, and maybe some of us, we avoid all the time. Because again, maybe you're like me, we, we avoid being pressed down. We avoid the uncomfortable thing but we're missing out on actually getting to that place where we can be poured out. So what would it look like for us to choose to actually step into, to enter, to make choices, not to avoid being pressed down, 
but to step into a posture so that God will press us down. What does that look like? Let's open up those Bibles again. We're going to go back to that same verse. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And I want to show you some context to that one verse that we read, starting in verse 27. Every single one of the things that Jesus commands to us is not easy. It's not simple. In fact, if we were actually to choose to step into them, it would actually cause discomfort. It would actually cause us to be pressed down in, I believe, in an uncomfortable way. Let's take a look at verse 27. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Let's just pause there. I am no way close to not only doing that well, to even wanting to do that. And because I like loving those that love me back, I love those that are close to me, if I'm unwilling to love my enemies, then what I'm doing with my life is I'm keeping my life as a olive, untouched, nice and comfortable. Don't bruise me. Don't crush me. And because of that, God is saying, I want to pour you up, but you're not willing to be pressed down. Drew, would you allow me to press you down so that even in the love of your enemies, you might see something that would pour forth that you cannot create on your own? Let's talk about right after that. Do good to those who hate you. If we actually listen to what Jesus is saying, this is difficult. This is hard. He's pressing into us saying, I want you to live differently than the world lives. I want you to have priorities that are completely upside down to what the world's priorities are. To love your enemies, to do good to those that hate you, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who abuse you. When I don't do that, I'm just saying, no, 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 don't press me down. And I'm forgetting that Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, the Garden of the Olive Press, and he said, no, 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 God, don't, don't do that, don't press me down. He says, no. This is difficult. This is tough. God, take this away from me. But no, your will be done. It goes on. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if you, anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And he goes on and on and on and on and on about forgiving others, about not judging, about blessing those that do you wrong, about giving sacrificially. Each and every one of those things is difficult. If we actually step into it, we would be pressed down. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's not a vacation. But I love the truth that Jesus says, no matter what comes into your life, no matter how awful it is, no matter what oppression or injustice or fear or all these things that come into your life, God can transform it, can use it so that the pouring out of it would bless others around you. And also, if you choose to step into these things, if you allow yourself to be pressed down, something amazing will pour out as well. Nourishment for those around you, light for those around you, healing for those around you, cleansing for those around you. You know, I look back on the last few years of this church, and you could look and say at the numbers, the numbers have, have been pressed down in terms of our attendance. 
You can look at our giving and our budget and you can recognize that those have been pressed down. There are many that sat in these pews or were listening online five years ago that saw that pressing down and said, no, no, I want nothing of that. I am out of here. But one of the most consistent things that I've found since I've come here, I've been here for seven months as the senior pastor, time and time again, story after story, interaction after interaction, are people who have chosen to stay, who love this place so much, who are willing to be pressed. And we're in this moment right now, such a unique time in the history of this church, the journey, the trajectory, the story of this church is such a critical moment in this time. And I look around at all these people, and we're saying, here we are, we're in the olive press together. And you haven't run, I haven't run. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen as we allow ourselves to be pressed, to choose to step into these things, to love others, to bless others, to get outside our comfort zone, to lay down our lives for others. What's going to pour out of light and of healing and of cleansing in our neighbors, in our cities? And in this world, who knows what's going to happen? But again, before we pour ourselves out, before anything can be poured out, it must be pressed down. So on the second Sunday in November, I, I, I look to the anointed one, Jesus. He went into a garden of an olive press, who allowed himself to be pressed and pressed and pressed. And as Isaiah says, that he poured out his life unto death so that we may be filled. Brother, what would it look like if we as open vessels allowed him to pour into us, to allow ourselves to be pressed down and then poured out? Let's walk this journey together. Let's be pressed down together in the midst of the pressing of the world, but choosing to step into these pressing things, these difficult things. What will God do? Let's find out together. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this moment as we, gosh, as we pause, as we reflect, as we let that imagery rattle around in our minds. Something so simple as a olive. And God, how you use that throughout the story of this world, throughout your scriptures, that simple thing reveals to us such profound truth. So God, I pray that we would lean into you, that we would hold on to you, recognizing that you allowed yourself to be pressed down and then poured out, giving us light and healing and cleansing. And may we too, as your people, empowered by your Spirit, no matter what presses into us from the outside, or as we choose to allow you to press us down with these things that are so difficult, we need your help, we need your strength. But help us to have the long view, God. Help us to pour out our lives on the things that you love the most. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.